and something to write with. If you don't have a Bible, we have extra um, over there. You can grab one. Oh, another quick announcement. Uh, this Wednesday, I think, is the last women's study, so um, make sure you guys can be there if you can. It's the last one. Um, and I think I think Mr. Hudson has a, a, a fun game reserved for the last women's study. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's called chicken. No, I don't know. No, we probably shouldn't play that. Um, what's chicken? The, the best pool game? Yeah. Chicken fight, I guess, is another name. Yeah, the game that <clears throat> that can potentially crack your head open. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, if you have your Bibles, open to Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two. If you weren't here last Sunday, we started a new sh- a new section. Okay. We uh, are in the second half of Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, as you guys know, it's that section starting in verse 11, and then all the way to the end of the chapter, verse 22. And uh, Lord willing, we will cover that long section by next Sunday, and then we'll go to camp. We'll hear from a guest speaker, so you get a break from hearing from me, Um, especially with this kind of voice. I'm sure you guys... You guys are okay with, with a little bit of a break from he- hearing from Pastor Roy. Um, yeah, so pardon my voice. La- last, last weekend, uh, I woke up Sunday morning, I was losing my voice, so uh, it's slowly coming back. Um, it, I don't know from what, from coughing or from allergies or uh, I wish I could say from, from singing, but it wasn't from singing, so... So yeah, that's the plan. We'll finish the second half of chapter 2. We'll go to camp, hear from Pastor Eric, my friend from Florida. And then uh, once we get back, we're going to start chapter 3. So that's, uh, that's something that we can be looking forward to. As you guys know, this second half is a long section, 11 through 22. So let's, let's read that again so we can uh, get the big picture here. Starting in verse 11, Paul writes this. Therefore, remember that formerly... You, the Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human, human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from, separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace." And might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. 
And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom you, in him, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So, it's a, it's a long section, but like I said last Sunday, that long section can be summed up in one word, which is unity. Okay, it's, it's, about, it's about unity, our, our unity um, with God and our unity with God's people. Um, and then I also said last Sunday that this long section can be divided into how many smaller parts, smaller, shorter parts. You guys remember? Three. Yeah, he says right, three. Verses 11 through 13 is all about what? Because of Jesus, we have what? From verses 11 through 13. Salvation, right? Because of Jesus Christ, we have salvation. Look at 14 through 18. Because of Jesus Christ, we have what? What is it? Peace. Right, we, right, we have peace. Peace. And then the third, section, the third part of this long section is 19 through 22. Because of Jesus Christ, we have family. Okay, family. So we're saved. Okay, so we're united in Christ. We have peace. So we have unity with God. We have unity with one another. And then we have a family, a spiritual family, a spiritual household, God's household. That also is about uh, being united. Okay. So last Sunday, we looked at that first shorter section, 11 through 13. Today, we're going to look at the second one, 14 through 18. 14 through 18. And if you notice, when I was reading it, Jesus continues to be the main character. Okay. His death on the cross is going to be mentioned again. Okay. Last Sunday, we looked at, we looked at that first, first section. It's about Jesus Christ, and Paul mentions his blood, which is his death on the cross. Today, we're going to hear Paul talk about Jesus Christ again, and he's also, once again, going to mention the cross, which is the death of Jesus Christ. Now, what's the difference between the two uh, parts? Well, last Sunday, it was about salvation. Today, it's going to be about peace. Okay, Same main character is Jesus Christ. Same foundation, Jesus Christ's death on the cross. Different results. You not only get salvation if you are in Christ, but you also get peace. Okay, so that's what we're going to see this morning, peace. So here's the outline um, from the handout. Two profound results of the peace that comes from Christ. So if somebody asks you, if your parents ask you today, what did you learn from Sunday school? You better talk about the peace that comes from Jesus Christ because of his death. Okay? If your parents say, well, elaborate, then you can elaborate. But that is the main point. That's the main theme. Okay? Jesus Christ is the hero. It's, it's based on his action, his death on the cross. And if you are a Christian this morning, what do you get? You get, what do you get? Peace. You get peace. Now, students, how would you define peace? How would you guys define peace? Peace. 
I'll let you answer while I drink my, my tea so I can have more voice. Yes, Paul. PA, sorry. Lack of conflict. Yes. Lack of conflict. What else? Yes, Jonathan. No fighting and it's calm, right? No fighting and it's calm. Now, I want you to think about it this way, okay? Those are, those are right. But to put it into a biblical perspective, to put it in the Christian um, perspective... Peace is to, think about, it, think about it in two ways, okay? Peace is to personally go from, from um, being enemies to friends. So personally, you go from being enemies to friends. And here's the second aspect of peace. Relationally, so not so much personally, uh, but relationally, it's to go from having hostility to harmony. Okay, so enemies become friends, and uh, in those relationships, you go from having hostility to harmony. Okay, that's, that's biblical peace. That's Christian peace. What Paul's going to teach us this morning is that if you are a Christian, before you were saved, okay, before you were saved, you didn't have that. Okay, God was your enemy. Okay, and your relationship with God was not in harmony, but in hostility. Not only, not only that, not only the, the vertical relationship with God was, was in enmity and in hostility, but your relationship with God's people, okay, with God's people, before you became a Christian, before, before you were saved, um, everything that's of God, okay, the Bible, um, uh, Christian sermons and teachings, um, Christian people, uh, things that Christian people do. So everything that's of God before you were saved, before you were a Christian, you also were in enmity toward those things. You didn't like coming to church. I know some of you have shared that with me. Um, yes, your parents brought you here. Your parents dropped you off here. But before you were saved, you just didn't like coming here. You know, you didn't have to tell me. I, I, I could tell by your attitude and by your face. So why is that? Because there's enmity. Why is that? Because there's hostility. Okay? Uh, and and um, Paul is saying here that, that because of Jesus Christ, and we'll find out in a little bit, because of what he's done on the cross, you can have peace. If you are a Christian, you have peace. You have peace from Jesus Christ. And here's the first result of that peace. Okay? Here's the... Um, Point number one in your handout. Here's the first result. There are two results that, uh, from the peace that comes from Jesus Christ. Here's the first one. We are reconciled to one another. Okay, if you're a Christian, you have received that peace that only comes from Jesus Christ. Okay, from friends, uh, from enemies to friends, from hostility to harmony. And what's the first result? We are reconciled to one another. Christians are reconciled to other Christians. We are reconciled to one another. <clears throat> Look at verse 14. For he, who's that referring to? Who's Paul talking about? Jesus Christ, yes. For he, Jesus himself, is our peace, who made both groups into one. 
The first kind of peace that Paul talks about here is, is what I mentioned earlier, the horizontal peace, okay? It's the peace that we have with other people, with one another. And this peace, which is from Jesus, Paul says, has made two groups into one, okay? Two groups into one. It's relational. It's horizontal peace. Now, can you guys guess who are the two groups that Paul's referring to here? Jews and Gentiles, okay? Not male and female, uh, you know, junior hires and senior hires, uh, kids and parents. It's, it's Jews and Gentiles. How do we know that? Because last Sunday we were talking about Jews and Gentiles, okay? So, so Paul says here that, that the Jews and Gentiles used to be enemies. They were hostile toward each other, but now they can be friends and they can live in harmony in one church, okay? It's, it's kind of hard for us to understand today because we just go to church, Okay, your parents went to church. Uh, your grandparents maybe went to church. Uh, church is just part of the normal Christian life. But back then, they, they were transitioning from synagogues to churches. And Paul's saying because of the peace that comes from Jesus Christ, the, the two people groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, can now be made into one group, which is the church. Yes, Mark, question. What about the Samaritans? The Samaritans? Yes, so, so you have two, two types of people, Right? The Jews, so you guys remember from last Sunday, the Jews would be the people who came from Jacob from the 12 tribes of, of Israel. And then everything else outside of that will fall under the category, the people group, of the Gentiles. So you're a Gentile, Mark. I'm a Gentile. Even though I'm from the Philippines, I'm a Gentile. Uh, Ryan's a Gentile, even though he's half Korean. Everyone's a Gentile. All right? Um, and as you guys remember, Joshua, right, who, who was born in, and he grew up in Israel, he's, he's a Gentile also. Okay? So, so for Paul, you know, remember he wrote this, you know, 2,000 years ago. Like I said, uh, they didn't do the way we do the Christian life today. You know, the church is just automatic. It's what we know. Back then, they were transitioning from worshiping in the synagogue on a Saturday, on a Saturday to worshiping on a Sunday morning, the Lord's Day, in the church. So now you have two people groups who are very different, Jews and Gentiles. And Paul says, hey guys, if you're calling yourself Christians, if you're a Christian, you have peace from Jesus Christ. And guess what is the first result of that peace? You can be reconciled together. Two groups made into one, into one group. Now the question is, okay, how did Jesus do that? Okay, how did, how did Jesus accomplish this, making two groups into one group so that they can have peace? Well, Paul tells us, okay, look at, look at your Bible. Uh, Jesus did two things to accomplish this unity, this peace between the two groups. First, Paul says this, by breaking down, or your Bible may say, not by breaking down, but what? Your Bible might say what? what, what what's the word before the verb? What's that? As? Yes, Jonathan, what does yours say? Yeah. So look at verse 14, everybody. For he, Jesus himself, is our peace, who made both groups into one. And then what does your Bible say next? And. Right? And what? And as, or just as? 
Just read to me what, what, your say, what, what your says after who made both groups into one. What does your say, uh, Nicholas? Okay, and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. So it may sound like, okay, Jesus, Jesus did multiple things, a lot of things. First, he made both groups into one. Next, he tore down the barrier. But, it, but it's, it's better to read this way. He made both groups into one. How did he do that? Number one, by tearing down or by breaking down the barrier of the dividing wall. And then if you're looking at your Bible, the next one, the second thing that Jesus did comes in verse 15. What does, what does it say? Ryan, what does yours say? There you go, by abolishing. So Jesus Christ made two groups, Gentiles and Jews, right? Enemies, hostility, into friends, into harmony. How did he do that? By breaking down and by abolishing. S simple so far? Okay, now here's what, where it gets really complicated, okay, because we have to explain what he broke down, and we have to explain what he abolished, okay? All right, so let's look at it one at a time. So Jesus accomplished this by doing two things. First, by breaking down the barrier of the dividing wall of hostility, by breaking down the barrier of the dividing wall of hostility or enmity. Now, is Paul referring to a physical wall? What do you guys think? He's not. I don't think he is. Okay, that's why I think it's, it's better translated the way I read it. By breaking down the barrier of the dividing wall, what kind of dividing wall? Of enmity. Maybe some of your Bibles... Uh, don't have that word of enmity or of hostility in verse 14. Maybe yours is down in verse 15. Maybe, right? I think, what's that? Yeah, hostility. So is, is, is your word hostility in the, at the end of verse 14, Jonathan, or is it in the beginning of verse 15? Okay. Anyone who has the, that word hostility or enmity, not at the end of verse 14, but in the beginning of verse 15. Just two, okay? Okay, if you have the NASB, it, they, they put it in verse 15. I think it's better that they put it in verse 14 because if it's in verse 15, which we will see in a little bit, that makes the law, okay, in hostility or in enmity. Uh, the law, as we will find out later on, is not an enemy. It's not in hostility. So it should read that way. By breaking down, the end of verse 14, the barrier of dividing wall, what kind of dividing wall? Not physical wall, but a hostile kind of dividing wall, an enmity kind of dividing wall. So Jesus made two groups, Jews and Gentiles, into one group, the church, by breaking down this hostility and enmity that they had toward each other. Okay? He, he did that by uniting them because they now belong to one God, right? They have one Savior, and they are now worshiping in one place, the church. Okay? So that hostility, that wall that was, that was uh, 
um, metaphorically a, a wall of hostility or enmity between the two groups that divided them, Jesus, Jesus tore that down. He broke that down. All right? Now, look at the second thing that Jesus did. And this is now in verse 15. Here's the second thing that Jesus did. By abolishing in his flesh, what did he abolish in his flesh? The law of commandments containing the ordinances. Okay, another, I think this is even more complicated than the first one. Okay, by abolishing in his flesh. What does that mean in his flesh? What do you guys think? What is it? On the cross, right? It's talking about Jesus Christ's death on the cross. So he abolished the law when he died on the cross. Now, what did Jesus abolish? He abolished the law. Okay? Now, what is the law? Can you guys tell me? The what? The Torah, right? So, so the law is uh, referring to, you can think about it this way, the Mosaic law. Okay, the Mosaic Law. It's the Ten Commandments and the other hundreds of commandments in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. All right? Because, Jesus, uh, because God gave the law to who? Moses. Where? In Genesis. Right? The Ten Commandments. And then the next Mosaic... Um, the, the next... Sorry, in, in Exodus, the next, the next uh, Mosaic books... Right, would explain how those Ten Commandments are played out in other commands. So that's the law. Okay? When you, um, maybe you guys have, have asked that question when Pastor Scott was going through Romans 6 and 7. Right? It's all about the law, the law. Right? Think, just think of Mosaic law. The law that God gave to Moses in Exodus, the Ten, and then played out in other hundreds of, of laws in the, in the other books. So Paul says that Jesus abolished that. Now, what does it mean that Jesus abolished the law? It doesn't mean that Jesus got rid of it. He didn't say, okay, get your Bible, students. Okay, the first five books, just tear that out. Put it in the shredder or put it, put it in the camp, campfire. He didn't, abol he didn't abolish it in that way. He didn't get rid of it. What this word abolish can also mean is that, he, that Jesus caused the law to no longer have authority over Jews and Gentiles. Yes, Mark. What's that? No, no, unless you live in a country that has death penalty, then that is your law as a, as a land, as a country. So it means, Jesus abolishes the law, the Mosaic law, it means that he caused it to no longer have authority. Okay, it no longer has authority over the Jews and the Gentiles. Okay, uh, let, me explain, let me explain that in this way. Remember that, that in the Old Testament, like I said, God gave the law to Moses, right? The first ten and then all the other ones. He gave, he gave that to Moses and Moses gave that to the Jews, to the Israelites. And we don't have time to get into the details of the whole law, but one part of the law was called the ceremonial laws. Okay, you guys, maybe you've heard that before. Um, laws on how they lived, how the Jews lived, and how they worship. Okay? Uh, how they lived and how they worship. Here are some examples. Okay? Here are some examples. They, the Jews had, as you guys have read in the Old Testament, they had crazy food restriction laws. Right? They couldn't eat what that we love today? 
bacon. Um, they required all kinds of washings before they did anything. Okay, you have to wash your hands, you have to wash your feet, you have to wash your whole body before you do this, before, after you do that. And they had to circumcise all the boys, all of them, all of them. And they didn't do anything on the Sabbath, Saturday. Can't do anything. Even, even if your cattle is, uh, is stuck in a ditch, you can't, you, you can't do anything because that's considered work, right? Um, they had to wear specific clothes. You can't mix, you know, two different types of material. Just can't do that. And they worship in a completely different way. So, so there was no way that the Jews were going to get together and get along with who? The Gentiles. The Gentiles. Because the Mosaic law still had authority over the Jews. And, and here, Paul's saying, in the New Testament, when Jesus came... Because of his sacrificial death on the cross, okay, in the flesh, like Emery said, that's referring to Jesus Christ's death on the cross. Because of that, Jews and Gentiles back then, and you can say today, people who are different like you and me today, can finally have peace with one another to go from, from enemies to friends. And, and they can now, we can now get along. We can go from hostility to harmony and we can be in one body, in one group, the church, and we have peace with one another. The law that divided the Jews and Gentiles back then and everything else that divide us today, whatever it may be, Jesus has broken down and he has abolished. Yes, Mark. Yeah, so abolished. No longer, it no longer has any authority over us. Because if it did, the Jews and the Gentiles can't worship together. They can't go to the same church. They can't do things together. They can't live in harmony. They would still be in enmity, in hostility. So Jesus, in the New Testament, when he came, he abolished the law. So he broke down the dividing wall, right? They can now be together, friends, in harmony. And he abolished the law, no longer authority, right? He did that when he died on the cross. So Jews and Gentiles back then, they can have peace and be together and get along and worship. People today, right, even though this group right here is, is all Gentile young people, it also has a, a direct implication for us today. We can be at peace with one, with one another. Why would Jesus do this? Why would he break down the barrier, abolish the law? Look at, look at uh, the second half of verse 16. I mean, verse 15. In verse 16, two reasons. Okay. Two reasons why Jesus did this. Middle of verse 15. So that in himself, in Jesus, he might make the two into one new man. That's referring to the church. Thus establishing peace. Here's the second reason. It's in verse 16. And so that he might reconcile. That's where I'm getting that word from for this, this uh, first point. We have reconciliation. So that Jesus might reconcile them, the Jews and Gentiles, both in one body to God. How did he do that? Through the cross. 
by it having, by the cross, having put to death the enmity that they used to have. This, uh, this made me think of, uh, have you guys heard or maybe you've studied this? I'm sure you guys weren't around, um, but maybe you've studied the Berlin, Berlin Wall. You guys remember that, right? In 1945, uh, World War II ended. Uh, the Germans were finally de defeated. U.S., France, and England took control of the, of the West Germany, right? And the Soviet Union took control of the East Germany. But only two years later, another war begins, uh, began. What, what's, that, what's that war? You guys remember after World War II? Cold War. Cold War. The Soviets closed off access to the east side of the city of Berlin. You know, the city of Berlin is in Germany. Uh, remember, they, the Soviets took that east side. Everybody else took the west side. So during the Cold War, the, the Soviets closed off that access to the east side. And eventually, in 1961, what did they build? A wall, the Berlin Wall. It was 26 miles long, and it divided the city into two. But then... In 1989, so 20-plus um, years later, the wall came crashing down, and the two sides finally became what? One. Okay? One article I read said this. Listen to this, students. People use hammers and picks to knock away chunks of the wall, while cranes and bulldo bulldozers pulled down section after section. Soon the wall was gone, and more than 2 million people visited the, the east side of Germany, the east side of Berlin, in one weekend. In one weekend. The reunification of east and west Germany was made official in 1990. So that's the great illustration here of what Paul's talking about. Jesus broke down not a physical wall, like, not like the Berlin Wall, okay? He broke down the, the wall of hostility, and he abolished the law, not with hammers and picks, but through his death on the cross. And what's the result? Better than reunification, better than that, it's actually reconciliation. People who used to be enemies, they're now friends. People who couldn't get along because they were in hostility, they can now be in harmony. I mean, just, just think of our church, right? How can be someone like me come to this church and be friends with other people who are from other places, right? How can, how can uh, the new seventh graders be in this ministry and, and worship here? How can you be here and worship here? You know why? Because we have reconciliation, and where did that come from? From the peace, which came where? From Jesus Christ's death on the cross, so, before we move on to the next point, to number two, let's apply this to our lives today, okay? Let me give you some examples of things that we do. So, so uh, take your minds away from 2,000 years ago, Jews and Gentiles, you know, Paul writing to Ephesians, and now think about yourself today, okay, today. So, let me give you some examples of things that we do that prevent peace rather than promote peace relationally, okay, we're talking about horizontal peace, okay, how we relate to one another, okay, how you relate to your siblings, how you relate to your parents, how you relate to your fellow students in student ministry, okay, let's think about those, so here's, here are some ways that we prevent peace that Christ gave us on the cross, 
Okay, here's the first one. Fill in the blanks. Putting up dividing walls that separate. Do you guys do that? Do you put up dividing walls that separate uh, that separate you from your friends, that separate your friends from you, that separate, separate your siblings from your friends, <laughs> right? Do you guys do that? How, how, do, how do we do that today? How do we put up dividing walls that separate us from other people or separate other people from us? Uh, yes, Mark. Being antisocial. Right? We excuse it by calling ourselves what? Introverts. Is there such thing as an introvert? Yes. But Christians who are introverts push past that and say, I'm going to prefer other people more important than myself. And Jesus Christ died for this peace that I have with other people. So, so I'm going to include them. I'm going to talk to them. So... Yeah, that's one, being antisocial. What else? What are other dividing walls that you guys put up that convenient, conveniently separate you from God's people, from your parents, from your siblings? Yes. Yeah, you just avoid people, you, the people that annoy you. Right? Um, how about this? Education. Right? Parents can do this. Oh, yeah, we only hang out with the other homeschoolers. We only hang out with the legacy people. We only hang out with the great hearts people. Right? Um, you're putting up a wall. You're putting up a wall. You're actually doing the opposite that Jesus did. What did Jesus do? He broke down the dividing wall. Right? Uh, how about wealth? You know, I'm only going to be friends with that with those boys over there because they have wealthy parents and every time they invite me over they have the best toys. Right? Uh, personalities. Personalities. Yeah, yeah, we don't really want to include that, that teenager over there because she's just different. What are you doing? You're putting up a dividing wall. You're doing the opposite that Jesus did. He broke down all of the dividing walls. Here's the second way that we can prevent this peace from Christ. Bringing hostility rather than harmony. Okay, here's how we do this in our relationships. We assume the worst about the other person. Does that promote hostility or harmony? When we assume the worst. Hostility, right? Oh, she didn't text me back. She must not like me. Oh, he didn't say hi to me. Oh, he must, be, he must be angry, right? Oh, they invited that person to Chick-fil-A after, you know, swimming study, but they didn't invite me. Uh, they must not be my friends anymore. You know, it's just assuming the worst. That's, that's, that's uh, bringing hostility rather than harmony. Uh, how about gossip? That also brings um, hostility rather than harmony. How about favoritism? We talked about this a couple Sundays ago. That's all about hostility and not harmony. Here's another example, number three, another fill in the blank, okay? The way we prevent peace rather than promote it. Avoiding the hard work of reconciliation. Avoiding the hard work of reconciliation. Husbands and wives, 
struggle with this. Um, teenagers struggle with this, right? You guys uh, don't get along, and then um, you assume the worst, so now it's uh, conflict, and it's gone on for two weeks, so now you're not friends anymore, and you don't want to do the hard work of reconciliation. Why? You're either lazy or you're, you don't want to initiate. You know, well, I think she was the one who uh, gave me the cold shoulder first. That's why I feel this way. So she has to be the one who comes to me and, and confesses her sin and seek my forgiveness. So you don't want to initiate. You're just waiting for the other person. Right? Or you're just lazy. Ah, that's just hard work, you know, to say that you're sorry for something and to seek forgiveness. And it's probably not, not done best through text message. So I probably would have to call that person or next time we meet each other, we see each other. I just, I'm just too lazy to do that. Right? So those are some ways. I know you guys can think of a lot of things, okay? Again, we're, we're saying, okay, we're not thinking about Paul and the Ephesians anymore, about the Jews and Gentiles anymore. We're thinking about our relationship today. How does this affect us? Jesus Christ died on the cross so we can have peace. And the first result is that we have reconciliation with all kinds of people. All kinds of siblings, all kinds of parents, all kinds of people in the church, all kinds of people. You will spend, you know, four days in the same cabin at camp, you know, two weekends from now. Can you do that? You better. You better. Can you accommodate other, other teenagers at camp who are different than you? who eat different food than you, who wear different clothes than you, you better. Why? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross. He died on the cross. He broke down the dividing wall. He abolished the law so that even you today, 2,000 years later, who will be going to camp with other different people can have peace and friendship and harmony. And when your friends from, other, from your school and your unbelieving cousins see you and look at that, they can say, wow, that's different. That's different. Remember, students, the gospel should always permeate your relationships, all of them. The gospel should always penetrate all of your relationships so that you don't put up what Jesus has broken down, so that you don't divide what Jesus has made into one. You can't be doing that. You can't be doing that in your friendships and relationships. Don't put up the walls. Jesus broke them down. Don't divide. Jesus brought two people groups into one. All right? Okay, here's the second result. We have access to God our Father. So because of Jesus Christ's death on the cross, because of that peace that came from his death on the cross, we are reconciled to one another. And secondly, we have access to God our Father. We have access to God our Father. So the first kind of peace that Paul talked about was the horizontal peace, okay, the peace that we can enjoy in our relationships with other people. This second one that Paul's going to talk about in the next two verses is vertical peace, okay, the peace that we have with who? With who, Mark? With who? Yep, yep, no more walls. Think of the Berlin Wall. Comes crashing down, two million people visit the other side, and they are re reunified. They're now one. No more walls. No more walls, okay? 
no more homeschool, public school, no more male, female, no more, no, not, no more. It's just one church, one people of God, okay? Just think of your family, right? You might not like your sibling, but guess what? You didn't pick your sibling. <laughs> God picked your sibling, and, and you're one family. You're one family. So this, is, this second part here is, is talking about the vertical peace, the peace that we have with who? With God, okay? This way, vertical, this relationship with God. Now, why do you guys think we need peace with God? Not, well, how come it's not just peace with other people and we're good? How come, how come Paul's saying that we, we also need peace with God? What do you think, what do you think that? Think of the definition of peace, right? From what to friendship? From what to being friends? From enemies from what to harmony hostility so why do we need peace with god yes so from enemies to friends from hostility to harmony why do we need peace with God? Yes, Pookie. Yes, because we were his enemies and we were in hostility with God, okay? You don't have to turn there. I want you guys to listen. Okay, listen. Listen to this, okay? Romans 5, okay? You guys listening? All right. Romans 5 verse 6 says this. For while we were still helpless, that's talking about you, talking about me, while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and me. So number one, we're helpless. Number two, we're ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, three strikes, right? Christ died for us. For if while we were enemies, that's four strikes, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. That's why we need peace. That's why we need peace, not only with other people, but with God himself, not just horizontal, but vertical. Why? Because we were helpless, we were ungodly, we were sinners, and we were enemies. We need peace with God because without it, students, without it, we'll still remain God's enemies. And all of God's enemies... Okay, all of them, 100%, okay, will go where at the end? In hell. That's what God does with his enemies. He sends them to hell. He punishes them for how long? Forever, for eternity. That's why you need peace. If you're not a Christian today, that's why you need peace. Because you're helpless, you're ungodly, you're a sinner, and you're, you're God's enemy. You don't have the friendship with God, and therefore you don't have the harmony with God. That's why here in Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 17, Paul, Paul includes this peace, peace with God. And he, Jesus, came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. So he's talking about the Jews and Gentiles again. 
Jesus, Jesus gave the Jews the gospel, even though they were near, and Jesus gave the Gentiles the gospel, even though they were far away. And what's the ultimate result of having peace with God? Verse 18 tells us, For through Him, through Jesus, we both, okay, Jews and Gentiles, even us today, we have our access. There it is. Because we have peace with God, we now have access in one spirit to God the Father. Do you guys know that? That you have access to God the Father? Uh, in the Old Testament, they could access God the Father, but they had to do a bunch of stuff. And if they did one thing wrong, they would what? Just like that, they would die. Today, how do you access God? Two ways you access God. What are they? Yes, Nicholas. Yeah, reading his word, that's how, he, that's how you hear from him, and you pray. That's how you talk to him. Um, have, you, have you ever, you know, gotten up early in the morning, and you're reading your Bible, you're accessing God, and your mind is like thinking about, you know, a video game or what's for breakfast? You guys ever experienced that? Well, guess what? If you didn't have the peace from Jesus Christ, if you live in the Old Testament, you would have been punished for that. Have you ever uh, prayed to God? That's how you access God, right? And then you fall asleep praying? I have. <laughs> but are, do you wake up alive? You do, right? Why? Because you have peace with God. From who? Not from you. From Jesus Christ, from his death on the cross, right? So you have this access to God, Paul's talking about here, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. So here's the important question, students. How do you know? Okay, how do you know that you have peace with God? Well, let me leave you with a few signs that you have peace with God. Here's how you can tell. Okay, if you're wondering, okay, if a Christian has peace with God because it comes from the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, how do I know? Okay, how do I know? I, I think I'm a Christian. If I think that I'm a Christian, then I have peace with God. But how do I know that that's true about me? Okay, let me give you three. Okay, number one, genuine repentance and faith. Okay, do you have genuine repentance and faith? Have you truly turned away from your sin, and have you truly turned toward Jesus Christ? If you haven't done that, you're not a Christian. And if you haven't done that, and you're not a Christian, guess what? You're still what to God? You're still a, you're still a, an enemy. Is there peace between you and God if you're an enemy of God? No. There's hostility. Here's the second sign. Number two, Growing appetite for the word. Okay, growing appetite for the word. If you're a Christian, you now have free access to God. Guess what? Anytime and anywhere. So you should want to be in your Bible. You should want to uh, read the Bible. You should be excited to hear it taught and preached. You should be excited to talk about it with your friends. You should be excited when your parents bring it up at the dinner table. Why? Because you have access to God. 
And if you're a Christian, why aren't you excited to access God in prayer and in His Word? You don't have to go to the temple anymore like they used to. You don't have to offer sacrifices anymore to access God like they used to. Right? You don't have to bring in a sheep into your own home and love that sheep and then eventually kill it, you know, to access God like they used to. Right? You have all of God's Word right here in one book. Right? Some of you didn't have to use your money to buy that. Your parents bought that for you. Right? Some of you have Christian parents. Some of you come to a good, you know, go to a good church. You have free access anytime, anywhere with God, but you're not excited. Uh, you don't put the hard work into it. You wake up, and you're like, well, I guess, you know, I'll read tomorrow. I'm just too tired. I think it's better to just talk about basketball with my friends. You know, they, they don't want to talk about God's word. Why is that the attitude? When Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you can have access to God. So, genuine repentance and faith, growing appetite for the word. Here's the last one. Another sign that you actually have peace with God. An increasing love for the, what do you guys think? Savior. Because it is he who gave you the peace that you can enjoy with other people, and the peace that you can enjoy with God. He is the one who gave that to you. How did he give it to you, students? How did the Savior, Jesus Christ, give it to you? What's that? Yes. By dying on the cross. Right? He died on the cross for you. So, if you're a Christian, you should love Jesus. Why? Because he died for you on the cross so that you can have peace. How do you show your love for Jesus Christ? You obey him, right? That's what Jesus said. If you love me, you will do what? Mark, what, what, you will do what? Jesus said, if you love me, you will do what? Oh, I, in a little bit. Say, say it again. What do you mean draconian? Harsh? Well, because God's holy. Even today. Sin, sin's punishment today is harsh. You know, how many, how many sins do you need to commit to, to be sent to hell? One. Why is that? Because God is holy. God is holy. But all of the, the offenses and the sins in the Old Testament and all of the offenses and the sins in the New Testament and all the way to today, they all point to one final ultimate sacrifice. Who is that? Jesus Christ right? Uh, you actually don't have to look at people's sins to find out that sin is so harsh, that the punishment for sin is so harsh. You just have to look at the cross and you say, man, the punishment for sin is harsh, right? Killing of, of God, God the Son? Why is that? Because God's holy. So, so Jesus said, right, here's how you show your love for me. If you love me, you will do what? You will do what? Obey my commandments. Right? If you love me, you will obey my commandments. So, students, just think about that. Okay? You have peace with your fellow students. You have peace with, with, your, with your friends. 
and you have peace with God. Why? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross, right? So if there's no increasing love for Jesus after what he's done for you, uh, that's not good. That's not good. You're either not a Christian or you love something else or someone else more than Jesus Christ. This, is, this, this would be your attitude in the heart level. You'd say, man, I love that I get along with my friends. I'm so excited to go to camp with them. You know, we just get along. We talk about spiritual things. Um, and I'm so glad I can read my Bible. I have access to God 24-7. Um, and I, 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 uh, I really love Jesus, but then you don't obey him. You don't obey him. You don't really love Jesus if you don't obey him. So I hope that's helpful, students. The peace that we have horizontally with other people and the peace that we have vertically with God himself, all because of Jesus Christ's death on the cross. Okay? We'll look at the next part of this long section next Sunday, and it's all about belonging to God's family. Belonging to God's family. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross. Uh, Yes, so that our sins will be forgiven. But he did more than that, so that he can break down the dividing wall, so that he can abolish the law, so that people today, Christians today, even young people like these students in this room, can have peace with one another. And not only that, more importantly, we can have peace with you. We have, we have access to God, our Father. I pray that these students will think about that. I pray that it will affect them relationally, the way they relate to their parents, to their siblings. May they not put up dividing walls that you have torn down. May they not separate and divide what you have brought into one. That would be undoing what Jesus Christ did on the cross. I pray that they would be peacemakers, promoting harmony, including all people, and loving all people. Uh, Thank you for this morning. We pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.